Tommy. We're here at my studio talking about music and movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little TV. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Marco, thank you so much for, for sitting down today. I really appreciate it. I'm such a huge fan of your music, so it's such a great honor to, to chat with you about your career oh, thank and, you. and everything. Um, so to, to kick things off, I would love to kind of talk about your background and um, uh, kind of what was your earliest memory of kind of finding music and then how did that kind of push you on the track to becoming a visual you know, media composer? Um, well, my... My dad was really into listening to music, like more classical music, a little bit of jazz. Uh, when I got older, more jazz stuff. But um, uh, for Christmas, I, I would get like um, like a Beethoven symphony or whatever, and a, and a score to go mm -hmm. with it. Um, I studied piano from when I was young, you know, pretty little. So. Um, uh, I mean, I it was it was cool because I would sort of learn how to read the scores and uh, go through it and uh, began a um, appreciation for music early on. I think right. just sort of you know through home. Yeah. Um, and uh, I never really thought about scoring for film. I there was I, I didn't go see a lot of movies when I was young. I mm -hmm. wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to, uh, <laughs> for some reason. And I, and movies. I remember being scared by Dumbo, the elephant. Like seeing that. Like that's well, a dark movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> so scared. It's still. Scared. Yeah. So. Um, uh, but one movie that did have a, a a big impact on me was Fantasia, and I yeah. remember seeing that like maybe six or seven times. Um, that's the first movie that my mom ever showed me. Really? Yeah, and she says. Even before I was, even got to speak, if I needed to be quiet, she just put Fantasia on and I would just watch it. Shut up so, and watch. So maybe that has something wow. to do with how I got into the visual media and music and the music and image, like yeah. the, the combining of that. Yeah, state. it's very interesting because it uh, definitely has things from a childhood like that yeah. definitely have an impact. And I, you know, I'm sure I didn't realize it then. If, and, and who knows if it did or not. Right. But, yeah. Um, but somehow, uh, well, I mean, when I went to undergraduate school, I went to Brown University. I didn't, mm. I didn't study music. I, I. What was your degree? Or you... Well, I started out. My parents wanted me to do something in the sciences. I started out in geology. Oh wow. Um, but it didn't, it didn't go well. After two <laughs> years, they were like, "You should think about doing something else." You right. Can't, you can't tell one rock from another rock. <laughs> so, um, then I switched to uh, urban planning urban studies oh, wow. there and um, uh, but you know all along I was working on music myself uh, writing pieces getting some performances doing things um, again no media stuff just yeah. music and um, and then after that I went to Yale School of Music to get a master's degree I knew I wanted to pursue music then mm -hmm. um, and that's sort of where I really buckled down to get you know all the technical stuff together um, and then I had to make a decision what I want to do either you teach and stay in academia and yeah, sort of yeah. you know um, but it seemed kind of crazy to me to go to school just so that you could teach other people right. really like without any just take what you learn and just read yeah because it has no out. real world you know it's yeah. sort of in a vacuum working yeah. you know uh, so I didn't know much else what I could do. I, um, my, my teacher at the time was friends with Jerry Goldsmith, even though they came from very different worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, told me about this program at USC and, um, I applied and, uh, I, I, I came out here, uh, from, I'm from Long Island, New mm -hmm. York, and um, did the program. Really enjoyed it. I met some cool people. I thought, yeah, you know, I mean, well, <laughs> no nerdy people, but yeah. you know, people that were that were interesting to me. <laughs> and um, um, we had a good class. Chris Beck was in my class. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, 
um, <laughs> some other people. Um, anyway, the, um, uh, the, the more I learned about it, the, the more I thought it really has a lot of opportunity. I mean, the things I was into at the time were really sort of exploring um, timbres and extended techniques of the the orchestral instruments and the yeah. acoustical instruments and then uh, little by little I began to see that you can sort of take that same principle electronically and work with um, uh, you know acoustical sources but yeah. sort of manipulate them and all um, and and the cool thing about film is that you just sort of working for a singular performance. It's not right, something yeah. you have to repeat. Like, um, and and that was that was cool. So I decided to stay after USC. And uh, actually, Chris and I teamed up together for about a year. We worked together. We did a show called Land's End. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, a couple other things. Uh, we did a a show about why airplanes crash and ever since that I'm afraid to fly uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know it's just sort of just I don't know of, it did some TV shows and uh, Scream was sort of the first movie that I that I did I I'd done some movies the week and all but yeah that was sort of a unique uh, time because Wes Craven uh, wanted someone uh, to do his movie. It was a low-budget movie. How did, how did you get on that project? I mean, had, had Wes had already have a career, you know, yeah. as this kind of horror auteur. And, yeah. uh, how he, he was looking for something different. I, um, I mean, he had a, uh, an assistant that mm -hmm. I, I had just finished a, uh, a short movie from a USC student yeah and that USC student knew West's assistant and mentioned oh you know he just did a really good job on this and so she called and said you know maybe you know, maybe we can meet and um, uh, come in and talk to Wes and see and because he was I guess he was having a hard time finding anybody I don't know hmm. I I mean that's a good question I never asked him why <laughs> why why yeah. he picked you <laughs> yeah I, um, but um, I met with him and uh, he showed me a few scenes and um, I I don't know I mean besides Dumbo that was like the first. I, it was like the, the, it was, I had never seen a horror movie, you know. I'd yeah. never seen any because just because I'm like because uh, you weren't a, were a movie buff, right? You weren't. Yeah, well, uh, well, I, I, a scary movie buff. There, there yeah. were other movies. I, I actually, I, I could backtrack a little bit about yeah. um, things that got me into why I was interested in film scoring, but um, um, at that point, yeah. So. I, I think, and then he gave me a chunk of the movie, the opening. It was like uh, maybe 12 minutes, 12 or 13 minutes, where right. that scene where Drew Barrymore gets killed in the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, famous scene, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> said, um, why don't you, I, I don't know you were, I, I really like what you have on your tape, or send a cassette tape yeah, to yeah. him. Um, but why don't you try scoring the beginning of the movie and see, and I... I said, okay, I, this scene was terrifying to me. I, I think the um, the thing that he liked was that I was completely not jaded, you know? Yeah. I, I, I didn't have any reference. I didn't know horror scores. I didn't know horror movies. And so I approached it really naively. So what was um, your kind of approach for that scene? Like, what were you just going from your gut instinct of, like, this is what shocks me, and then you try to just translate that into music, or yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, basically, like, um, and however that materialized, it, it resonated with him. Um, I brought him back the the music uh, two days later, and um, he really liked it. And, wow! And they had a screening for Weinstein uh, for Miramax in. Um, New Jersey, I think, like a couple of days later, and mm -hmm. he, he had that in, tested really well, and he said, "All right, look, why don't you, 
Let's try it. Let's wow. Do the score. And was it a daunting was, thing when that happened? It was really daunting. Yeah. I was very excited, but it was daunting too. Yeah. You know? um, but but I realized it was a, a, a big opportunity for me. And, and it materialized into a whole franchise. And it did, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, let's, 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 let's focus on screen for a little bit. So how did the, you know, horror movies are known for, you know, being a sequel. And, and it was a self, you know, it was a horror in, in tongue-in-cheek horror where it was very aware of being a horror movie so yeah. and that in itself was really fresh and original at the, yeah. you know, at the time and so how did the music evolve i guess from and, and it could sort of i guess it could sort of play a little bit over the top in yeah that, in that sense and um so you know a lot of the things that i was familiar with like playing with orchestral timbres and um you know because it was for the most part, a fairly orchestral score. There were yeah, some yeah. some um, electronics in it, but fairly minimal, pretty stock stuff. And uh, I I remember we had fun because I didn't have enough players. I had this thing I wanted. There's a few scenes I wanted to make this kind of creepy atmosphere, and I thought it'd be cool to have um, the sound of a whole bunch of people whistling together make this cluster and mm -hmm. so we didn't of course we didn't have enough people so I, <laughs> so Wes assembled his whole crew and and so that, and I wish I had a picture of it because so we have this on the scoring stage at Warner Brothers we have Wes and his producers and the post-production supervisor and everybody's standing there out there with the orchestra and you know and I'm conducting they're all whistling and and it was it was really cool it's fun <laughs> Um, in this, in the second film, there's one thing that, um, and we can talk maybe about temp music now because what it was, what the most striking temp was how Broken Arrow came into Scream Two, and yeah. it kind of became their theme for uh, for Courtney Cox, and and yeah. so as a composer, how do you deal with that when when that, that... so that was like really disturbing to me. I mean, mm -hmm. this is my second movie. I I I, th I felt very uh, like this is my. You know, thing. Yeah. I, I was very possessive about it, um, and uh, you know, it was it was really detrimental f uh, at the time because I remember John Burlingame did a he I, I don't know he was doing a uh, article in the paper in the Sunday Times about um, temp scores yeah. and all that. And this was on his radar. Yeah. And he um, decided he would interview me about it. And I just uh, stupidly, naively, I, the, yeah. I I said, you know, like, I started, you know, how could the production do this? I was like going on the soapbox <laughs> about, about it. And, and 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 he published all this stuff. And like I remember the next day, the um, one of the producers called and said. What the fuck? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> this is like our own internal laundry, and you're like, you're, yeah. you know, just because you're upset because we use this uh, piece from another movie. Yeah. And well, I didn't know what to say, and she, and she was like, you know what? You're you're not working for us again. That's oh, wow. it. You're done. And I'm gonna tell Weinstein not to use you again. Oh and I was like, oh shit! I just <laughs> screwed my career. <laughs> so. so um, then I learned, you know, just learned your lesson. You know, to shut up. yeah, shut up. Um, but it was um, it was op eye opening for a few reasons. One is that, you know, you you hire to do your best and write yeah, the score sure. that you can and all that. But then you sort of have to let it go. Yeah, because and, yeah, how do you yeah compared to now that was you know kind of early in your career and of course it still goes on. Every composer deals with it. Yeah, all and, the time. And all so, the time. And how has it changed now when you do yeah. temp temp music that has to. I mean, it's, it, it happens every now and then that, yeah. you know, I'll write something and they'll be like, this temp really, we really like the temp here. It's mm -hmm. very, it's not that common anymore, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's that. actually harder now, like when it's temp with my own music, because then, because sometimes it's harder, like if it's easier for me to, to hear a temp and see what that piece is doing. Yeah, yeah. And then do something new, then sometimes if it's, a piece that I've done that's in the temp to try to get that feeling. I, I find that you find I don't know, I, that I'm sort of rewriting the same piece. Right. Yeah. And and then it's like it's hard to get out of that rut. It's like yeah. you know, when your tires in a rut. So um, 
Yeah. So I'm, but it doesn't bother me. You know, right. um, it's 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 a business. The the, the thing is, um, we're sort of all in it together. You know, the director sure. and the, the writer and the, the composer and all the people. It's a collaborative business, and yeah. you have to sort of look at the big picture. And and our job is to sort of help. Uh, Tell the story. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, and so if something, you have to be objective about it. Think, yeah, for sure. So, you know, with Scream and Scream 2, and, and it, these kind of, they became really big hits, and as a early kind of young composer getting your career started, um, was it, did you make a conscious decision to try not to get typecast as a horror guy? I mean... I just thought it was odd that here I am... I hate horror movies, and all I'm doing is horror movies. You know, we did yeah. Scream movies, then um, Halloween H2O, I think there was. Right. And um, a lot for Dimension Films, which was the newly opened sort doing, of horror branch yeah, of Miramax. Doing, yeah. uh, Mimic and yeah, um, uh, Nightwatch, and um, I have all these movies. Um, did you feel but, trapped in there and trapped well, in the genre? A little bit. I I, mm -hmm. I wasn't too worried about it. I mean, maybe just because we were so busy, like uh, didn't have much time to think about it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but um, I, I yeah. I mean, I felt like I have other things. Other things to, to say. Yeah. Did you get? Um, I mean, we're. It must have been challenging to try to. What I did was I I, so um, and it's hard for me to remember all this now. Oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> But um, I remember taking some smaller uh, things, TV. I did a TV show for Oprah Winfrey um, at around the same time, which was like a, a drama between some kids like mm -hmm. in this ward called David and Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, I thought something like that might show a different side uh do something a little bit different um there were some other projects uh that were a little bit different um no you did you started to kind of try to branch out i and, did try to branch out a little yeah. bit and uh i think it i think it worked a little bit i um yeah for but, sure but I, mean, you did, I mean you did some awesome horror work i mean I think faculty was also really the cool faculty, with yeah. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, but in some stuff, you know, sort of, um, like, it, it wasn't just pure horror. Like, yeah. Guillermo del Toro's stuff, like Mimic and Hellboy. I mean, there was so many different facets to it that, um, I, you know, creatively, they were yeah. really exciting course, to work yeah, on. And he's, his, I mean, he's such a visual director, too, so yeah. I mean, the, the work itself was, must have been... Just captivating as a story, a totally. storyteller. Totally. Yeah, so, sure. it, it, so I didn't feel like, um, like it was creatively inhibiting or no, not no. rewarding or anything. No. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were fun. You did mention Halloween H2O. And what was um, the story on there? Because I think you're listed as like uncredited or anything. Did, was, did John Ottman come to replace your score? Were you replaced on the film or was it you came No, it was sort of the opposite. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I, they had a score. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was sort of, um, you know, it's odd, but it's, it's sort of weird when, you know, because you understand someone else writing a score. And yeah, then, and you have to be brought Yeah, in. and I was thinking, uh, here, I, here I was making such a big deal about, you know, Scream, and then, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, they, they had a lot of temp, um, right. I think from Scream movies in, oh, okay, yeah. in, that and uh, for whatever reason, you know, they had some issues with the score that existed, and so um, they asked me to replace yeah, it. some work on it. And another interesting collaboration, or I guess maybe not a collaboration, was Resident Evil because you, oh, yeah, so you did the score for that, and then Marilyn Manson did some stuff. I mean, did you guys work together at all, or was it just like, oh, let's bring in Marilyn or bring you no, in? No, we, we did. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Um, we would meet. Uh, usually at my studio, sometimes at his place, uh -huh. um, a few times uh, with the director and play through cues and talk about ideas and even share some sounds. And he, it was fun. Um, it was a lot of fun. Then we recorded at Capitol for it. Um, the, uh, and I remember 
because we were in, I was, my studio, my house was in Pacific Palisades mm -hmm. and it's like a really conservative street. And, <laughs> um, one of my, one of the neighbors, um, this conservative woman, you know, with kids and all that. And, and she, she was like a big Manson fan. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I don't know. My wife probably told her that, that he was over. We were working. So he's leaving to get this car and leave. She comes running down the street and rips open her shirt. And she's like, and he, and, and, uh, he was like, like full flash. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And he's like, what's with your neighborhood, Marco? <laughs> Yeah, it was. That was, neighbor. That, was that was wacky, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that was that was fun. I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked his approach to um, the uh, to the score. Yeah, and it, sound. It, yeah, pretty and cool. Had it has a really good sense of um, of sound and uh, you know how it works with the picture. Right, for sure. That. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned Guillermo del Toro earlier, and you're doing. Um, kind of Blade 2, which was, you know, has always been considered such an amazing film, and then Hellboy. Um, Blade 2 kind of definitely was, uh, I remember we studied that in film school for action editing, and I mean, mm -hmm. when you're scoring something that's really kind of, you know, very precisely edited and everything, um, did you come in early on that film? Did you come in late? Was it, did you already have a cut good to go on that one? Or um, There was a cut. I know they were, they were in the process of editing. And making some changes and mm -hmm. all, but um, yeah, uh, boy, I I don't remember the state of the film exactly when I came on board. Yeah. Um, but when you're when you're scoring action, is I mean, do you have a different approach to scoring action than you would to um, to drama, where it's maybe more focused on character uh, emotions or anything, where it's just kind of the visual kind of kinetic motion on screen? I mean, does that yeah, they definitely Blade. did affect, and there were some long action sequences yeah, in, yeah. in Blade. Um, I, uh, I don't remember exactly my my thought process, thought process at the time. Far yeah. in the back. <laughs> yeah, but but it was um, it, again. It was it was another rewarding film to do creatively because yeah. it, it could had a lot of different influences on it and uh, I really started working with Buck, uh, my partner now. For, I mean, he's been with me since um, back to Yeah, let's scream, talk about Buck scream because two. Buck is amazing. So how did you meet yeah. Buck and how did that kind of collaborative team form? So I met Buck when, um, uh, after I did Land's End, um, he, there was a store in West LA called Laser Blazer mm -hmm. uh, and the guy that ran that store uh, wanted to, he asked if he could put out a promo album for for um, for Land's End, mm -hmm. and I said sure. And Buck was a friend of his, and he asked me. He said, "Can you know my friend come to the scoring session of Scream?" And I said, "Sure." So Buck showed up there. I met him, and he said, "Do you have an assistant?" Do you? And I said, "No, I work alone." He said. Um, I'd be curious to come by the studio sometime. And I was like, all right, sure, whatever. <laughs> and and he he came by. The studio was you know a bedroom in my house and um, in my apartment. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I was it like, ask, have to ask Buck how exactly like, what happened. You, but was it a click? Like, did you guys just mentally were able to like work together? Or well, did it kind of so over time? it started out. I think I had him. Maybe Xeroxing score or something, and then um, uh, I was working on a cue, and he came in. It must have been on Mimic, and um, I was having trouble with it, and I I I played it. I said, "Here, let me play this," and so I played it for him, and you know he wasn't like, "Oh, that's really good" or anything <laughs> like that. He was like, "Well." Um, this part's cool. Maybe try this. He, he gave me some some ideas, and I was yeah. like, "Wow, that actually makes a lot of sense." Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried working with what he'd said, and um, and it worked out well. And I remember playing it for Guillermo, and Guillermo liked it a lot. And I was like, "All right, so he's got a good <laughs> sense." So I started asking him more and more about stuff, and 
then um, he started. Um, I I need. I'm I'm not that technical of a person. Yeah. So I started asking him to figure out like start sampling things mm -hmm. and doing all that, and so he started getting really into the technical side of um, of everything, and we just sort of, you know, just. Grew from there. Uh, yeah, I grew from there. I, you know, just really grew to um, sort of trust yeah. him, you know. And, yeah, and uh, you guys have done such amazing work. Like, I mean, Hurt Locker is amazing. I mean, every score he's been yeah. a part of yours, and whether he's co-composing or just working. Yes, yeah, like so exactly. Some sounds. of them, some of them, they're they're co-composed. Some, it, it depends on his role. Somebody's creating sounds. Yeah. Some he says. Uh, Leave me off this one, <laughs> but um, but uh, no, it's um, it's a it's a great partnership for sure. So yeah, we're just um, going back to kind of some of the movies you were scoring. Um, you know, you 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 did Scream, which was a, a series, um, but then you kind of ju you jumped into these kind of big franchises like Terminator and Die Hard, and I'm kind of curious as a composer who <clears throat> jumping into Terminator, you know, with Brad Fidel's score and just how iconic the dun 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 is or Michael Kamen stuff on Die Hard and I just love the way you approached it where it felt natural like it didn't feel mm -hmm. like a I don't know like a cheap hack copy off score or something like that but I mean what was your kind of approach for or do you have an approach for jumping into such a, like a franchise like that I, I was never aware of how many people are, are like it was my first awareness of like there's an outside world of <laughs> fans because when I got hired there was I got so much hate mail from <laughs> from fans on uh, For Terminator? Terminator yeah yeah like I was like wow this is it's like kind of vicious and, and like everyone has my email I don't know oh god so um yeah um but the the directive on on that was you know Jonathan Mostow the director, he didn't want, he wanted to make an original movie and he didn't want to reference mm -hmm. the theme. He's, you know, just at the very end, like in the end credits, it goes to the right. end credits. But, um, and I said, sure, you know, that, that's, it's fine. I, you know, do something, something different. Um, uh, and I think the same was true on, Die Hard. They didn't want it to. Yeah, I, remember, they, I vaguely remember with Live Free or Die Hard, just vague Cayman references. Yeah, so too much. Well, it's not really thematic. It's more motivic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was easy to just throw it in here and there, but not. Um, they didn't want it to sound like a homage. They didn't want mm -hmm. it to be dated or anything like right. that. You know, which would be fun. It'd be fun to do that, but yeah. um, it, they. Um, you know, understandably wanted to keep it more modern, I guess. Right. And um, you know, you've dabbled in some kind of more modern retakes on films like The Thing, um, which was, I think, technically a prequel, but um, based on the kind of sequels and stuff you've done, is it, would you say it's easier to score a remake or a sequel? Or more, uh, more creative I, rewarding? <laughs> I, I, it depends on the, on the, the movie itself, you know, yeah. how... Because anything can be. I'm not a great judge. Uh, um, I, I need to see the thing, you yeah, know. And 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 sometimes it it can. I I don't know if it matters like what the, even what the genre is or yeah. what the um, whether it's a, a sequel or prequel or whatever. Um, it I think it's all whatever the movie is mm -hmm. um, it has to be faithful to itself and it has to carry you in, uh, along um, and, it, and if it does that then I think um, you know it's easier to be inspired right musically um, is there a certain genre that you or you gravitate towards to whether you're just as a person who likes to view these kind of movies or asshole working in them I mean, you scored almost every genre um, you know, action and drama and horror and western. I mean, is there anything that really just like this is my genre that I love to live in? Well, I sort of approach every movie as a western. I remember I you, you mentioned that yeah. you said I said, oh, we're talking about Tommy Lee Jones and we'll, and we'll talk about your work with him. But you're like, yeah, every movie I score is a western. And I thought that was yeah, really even Scream, even Scream, I sort of approach the western because 
Yeah, getting back to what I was going to say, the um, so you know besides Fantasia, I think the thing that the the movies that stuck with me most, I I, I don't know, I sort of had a bit of a rocky, you know, uh, youth mm -hmm. period, um, and I just the uh, I just love the western genre and and yeah. Leone's my favorite director. I mean, yeah, especially the the spaghetti westerns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the Sergio Leone movies and uh and musically the Morricone scores mm -hmm. just really I mean, those really resonated with me. Um just cuz they were so original and yeah. in a way simple and uh how they used sound um sometimes sound is music yeah right sure. and um uh sort of again pushing that timbral boundary you know Absolutely. like the reverb of an amp could be a musical yeah sound things like that and um and this idea of sort of the lone hero whatever yeah, and yeah. and that's sort of like a lot of like in scream you know, her character is sort of like she's, uh, Nev Campbell's character is sort of like the lone hero. And so is, you know, the guy Dewey, you know, yeah. he's like the sheriff, the sheriff. So, um, I, 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 I find it, um, as an interesting point of departure for, for scores that I work on. Right. So, I mean, because, yeah, the, I mean, the archetypes that come with that genre are, I don't know, I, I, I love, just characters kind of isolated within like a landscape. It doesn't have to be like a Western landscape, whether it's, you know, amongst in the woods or something, mm -hmm. just like apart from civilization. You just feel this kind of isolation, yeah. And I think that's kind of can characterize a Western, no matter where it takes place or what yeah, time period. Right. It doesn't mean it's that it's a Western, but yeah, it's like in it's, the West, so the it's an abstract notion of, Absolutely. of uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about some of the Westerns you score. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones, of course, such an, you guys have such an amazing collaboration in the films you've done. I mean, if it, you know, he's of course known for his acting, but Three Burials and and um, Sunset Limited, which is not a western, but I mean The Homesman, um, and you guys, I mean, those might be my favorite scores of yours. Like yeah. I think they're so personal. I don't know, they they just feel so emotional and raw. And I mean, what was like working? I mean, how did you meet him? And and I love working with him. I, yeah. You know, it's um, he has no uh, preconceptions about score. He yeah. doesn't use any temp. When he's no temp, so no that temp. must be such a refreshing and, thing. And to come only out embraces originality mm -hmm. and um, creativity yeah. and uh, curiosity. So yeah. I mean, he embraces those things. And uh, how so did I get hired on? Three, was it Three Burials? Three Burials. Right? That was the first one. Yeah, that was his first directing job. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just a reference. Uh, I don't know. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember seeing some of the movie and talking to him and thinking about what the score could be. Yeah. Early on, because it's sort of this weird Tex-Mex landscape. Mm-hmm. You know, on the border, and I was thinking, well, maybe use that sort of the music from that area as a source, but music from that area, I mean, it's like. You know, it's sort of that um, well, a lot German of inspired yeah. polka, and you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, which there were a lot of German settlers there, and, and I think that's why the accordion became like a big right, yeah. instrument for um, Mexican American border area. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I was like, you know, we can't do that, and Tommy didn't want that because they they had source music that was going to do that too. Yeah, because they had a lot of needle drops on that one, right? Yeah, yeah. So the thing became all right. Well, maybe search back towards more a more ancient, like um, you know, who was here first? Because the, mm. the, 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 the landscape plays a big part. In yeah, it. very and, much. Yeah. Um, you know, more of a Native American type sound, and use that as the inspiration. Yeah. And. Um, I started messing around with with sounds, taking like cactus needles and you know amplifying them and having them become percussion things. Right. And yeah, I remember you doing, talking, yeah. yeah, doing stuff like that. So um, that uh, that became a big a big score for me. I, I you know me and Buck really yeah. worked on that 
It was a lot of fun. That's a, a lot of fun. Beautiful score. I mean, it's so. And from that, that's what uh, Jim Mangold heard and really liked and hired me for 310 to Yuma. Wow. So yeah. it, it led to a lot of stuff. And then uh, Catherine Bigelow heard that and liked that and, you know, wanted me for Hurt Locker. Wow. Because that was, you know, she viewed the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the guy in the bomb suit as um, sort of like a cowboy. Wow, yeah, so like another Western. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's, what, going back to Tommy Lee Jones and uh, The Sunset Limited, which is such a powerful, uh, based on the play by McCarthy, and they did an HBO original film out of that. It takes place in one room, um, just Samuel Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones, just, you know, mm-hmm. was it bla- black and white was their characters, mm-hmm. I think. And then, I mean, how do you score? It's pretty much a play. I mean, how do you, how, what was music in that sense? Like, what was the role? Your, I guess minimal role? Or it was, was very there, minimal. He, yeah. he, um, he, he wanted the music to be um, sort of the music that uh, uh, he made. My, my mind is, is going, but um, there was somebody who made these uh, recordings just sort of walking down the street in the city, uh-huh. and that became like these musical soundscapes of just like city noise? Of city sounds, yeah. you know. And so he thought that would be the approach yeah. rather than using. The sound department to sort of create things in the background and all that. I mean, there was some of that, but yeah. but he wanted the score to integrate that, and so um, took train horns and car horns and mm-hmm. started messing a little bit with their tuning and to come up with something that could work thematically. But it's very sparse. There's not that much score. There's a few moments that get yeah. a little more introspective and the score plays and then the biggest one was um the biggest cue was at the end when uh you know he, he wanted the score to invoke all religions that was uh, right. he said i want this sort of be like um uh the feeling of all different religions coming together and, yeah um so i messed around again with found sounds and um yeah it was a lot of fun yeah and then the homesman of course you got to do more experimenting with i mean i know you got you talked about a lot the the was it the wind it's a wind harp right is what they called yeah. it yeah and just putting that string out there and creating tones from uh, making well, that buck started doing some experiments on the thing because it was so desolate with uh yeah putting bottles outside with um when the santa ana winds would blow and putting microphones in the bottles and capturing that mm, and wow. using that and so we did a little bit on the thing but then he started putting these like little aeolian harps in, in the window mm. and they would uh, when the wind came through they would you could tune them and all that yeah and then he read about some guy that did these i think in new mexico um uh like take the piano and extend the piano wires, mm-hmm. and so he was like, "We should try that." And then we're like, "Yeah, all right, let's try that." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we found a piano and just messed around with it. Yeah, put it up. You just did it hill. up on the hill right over here. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the strings go, you know, 175 feet up the hill. Wow. And so, I mean, I love the theme, that kind of the central theme of the homes. And where did where did that? Dun, 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 dun. I mean, mm-hmm. where did that kind of, what was that born from, I guess, for that film? Um, well, it was inspired by the simple hymnal-type melodies that, yeah. um, that that they would sing. There was, uh, there was some source pieces that um, Rosalie, the Prairie Flower, and some other things that uh, uh, Tommy pointed me to that he liked, and mm-hmm. so I thought maybe... Uh, a simple melody along those lines, because um, it does feel like there there's lyrics there somewhere for that for that melody. Um, are there? No. No. Okay. No. No. <laughs> so you're able no. to write like I guess a lyrical type. Yeah. So it's just like a yeah a very simple <laughs> yeah. lyrical piece like like something they may have sung or whatever. I, yeah. Um, uh, we wanted to make sure there were no issues with. Copyright. Yeah, to make it original. Of course. Make it original. But, I mean, if, and it, the way yeah. you break it down, I mean, it can be 
desolate. It can be powerful. And then at the end, when you know, it was coming to town, was the track, and it's just it's an emotional swell. I mean, I love it. It's, I oh. really love the score. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was. <laughs> and one thing that we did on that was, um, you know, I built the studio, and it sounds great and all that, but um, it was a little too warm, so hmm. we. We even experimented. We put the the orchestra outside. Yeah, that's right. I saw that video, guys. I oh, yeah. said, yeah, and you guys recorded the orchestra out, outside, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you have a lot of ambient noises you have to deal with. Yeah. Dogs and ducks and planes. Planes, and, yeah. Um, so took a few takes, but it was it was definitely cool. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's such an amazing score. Um, and you also, of course, mentioned James Mangold with Three Ten to Yuma and. And um, of course, the Wolverine and, and and Logan. I guess they're all again westerns. And um, mm -hmm. what, what I mean, what kind of director is, is James? I mean, is he tuned into music? I mean, working yeah. with him now, like I mean, was it? You guys created, I think, a language. I think between the both of you over the course of those films, for sure. Yeah, he's extremely musical. He's very knowledgeable about film scores. And um, and again, I, I think the the, the reason collaboration is so good is that um, he really embraces uh, same same thing yeah. originality creativity um, I mean he, he works with um, Ted Kaplan who's an amazing music editor mm -hmm. who, who does temp stuff and he temps so well that I'm like shit I'm never gonna be able to beat this <laughs> but <laughs> um, but um, it, it's uh, it, it it's really it's really refreshing to, you know, yeah. to work with someone like that. Um, he pointed me in the beginning to things that wouldn't necessarily work for his movie, but things that were inspiring to him mm -hmm. and sort of um, were in the back of his mind when he was making the movie. And, right. and that's, a, that's a great source to um, for a composer because you're working with an idea rather than a specific thing, you know? Yeah, not like copy this music, like this is just right. that, where the music should come from is from this idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we actually did some sessions uh, before we recorded just to play around with this stuff. Yeah. And um, I think Fox thought we were nuts because <laughs> they were crazy sessions. Um, they walked in and they walked out real fast. Um, this is for Logan, or yeah, for, for yeah. Logan. <laughs> um, but but I, I think it it, uh, it it makes the process that much more interesting and yeah. fun, and you have uh, potential to come up with something cool. Right. Well, Logan was interesting because he went with Cliff Martinez first, like right. He wanted to get. He decided, oh, I'm going to do something different, mm -hmm. and then of course came running back to you. Uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you know. It shows how um, a movie can sort of, on paper, it's one thing, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and can be deceiving too to to just read a script. But it's such a visual medium, right. like sometimes the movie takes on its own life after a shot, yeah. and um, and you sort of have to be, go, go be with the flow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, just funny, just how it's like, oh, let's try something different. No, we got to go. I mean, I, I love you guys' collaboration. I hope you guys continue powering through together. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love. Yeah, they're amazing director. I mean, those are all some of my, like, I mean, Logan was amazing, but Three Kind of Yuma was just fantastic. I think it's just a great modern take on the Western and just yeah. feels classical, but it feels modern for sure. Um, so, and, uh, of course, another director, Alex Proyas, which is fantastic with iRobot mm -hmm. and Knowing and Gods of Egypt. Um, with him, I mean, uh, approaching, I mean, do you have to, like, I guess... You have all these different directors you work with, and you've created all these collaborative relationships. Um, do you have to kind of adapt your personality and workflow for each one? I mean, they all work differently. Does it? Or, I mean, do you have to kind of be a therapist, I guess, to kind of work with every single one to make sure they're. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a little. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's a very dynamic job in that sense. Yeah. Like each each film is completely different as different as the people shooting them you yeah, know as yeah. as different as one director is from another um and uh yeah i i guess being able to adapt and have the language 
to communicate ideas um, is different with everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, I, and, and it gets easier, I think, the more you work with somebody because you almost develop a, a shorthand of what yeah. things are. Does it get harder to get away with things? <laughs> like, because they know you better than, like, oh, I know you, I know you, Marco, you can't do that shit on this. You, like, does it get, does it get harder to, I don't know, but does it, um, they know you more? Is it? <laughs> that's, that's interesting. No, I mean, I, I think it gets, um, it gets easier because I, yeah. I find that there's more trust involved. For sure. There's more, um, all right, you know, we don't even need to tempt this scene because we know you're going to come up with something. Yeah. Uh, so just take it like this. I don't need to show you right. how, how, how to play it. Um, uh, Alex, super creative, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, um, he's it, visually as well. I mean, he's such an amazing visual director. And, yeah. And I yeah. Robot was, I mean, a, a lot of that's just a, People love the film, love the score. Yeah, yeah. He's so he's almost like too advanced for his time. Like he's yeah. doing things. He was working on um, Paradise Lost, uh, yeah. uh, Milton thing, uh, which was uh, all they got was previs on it, and then there wasn't any technology yet to film to film it. And they wow. had to like you know it was like um, so far pushing the envelope. Yeah. Um, and and musically, you know, he has he has uh, a lot of he has vision and also trust in in a collaborative vision, you know, working together right. and coming and up with stuff. He's in Australia, right? Yeah. So you have to do you have to you have to fly out there when you work on one of his films? Yeah, and usually so. go meet him and uh, a couple of times. On but you, do you just come back here to work, or do you like kind of relocate there and kind of work no, close I, to his I, production? I work here. I yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of the, some newer stuff that you, you've done, I mean, you did uh, on Netflix right now, Little Evil, which is oh, kind of a horror comedy take. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always, I think horror and comedy are two genres that are so difficult on their own to score. I mean, what, how, was it a challenge to find the tone, the right tone musically for, for something like that? Uh, not for most of it. Most of it was pretty... Straightforward. Straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there was play, a couple. Yeah. How do you do? You play it for the funny, or do you play it just for the horror and let the comic, the actors, kind of do the comedy? Usually. Yeah. yeah usually. Okay. Uh, there was um, a couple scenes that were a little trickier that um, needed a little bit of finesse because it, if you played it as a like the beginning of the movie when um, you know she's. Uh, um, I don't know, cleaning the house or whatever. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're moving trucks there and moving the stuff. Uh, it um, that was a that was a bit of a tricky scene. Yeah. To play how to play that because you know just beginning of the movie you sort of want to set it up. You don't want to have a one off the cue right. that's completely different from everything else. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. Was it different working on a, a film that was a Netflix production? I know Netflix is kind of just taking the surge as. You know, original films and really trying to put focus back on the directors and the creators. I mean, did you feel a difference working versus like a, a big studio picture versus Netflix? Was there less the, studio involvement? The only thing I found, because there was, I, that was actually the, the second Netflix one. Oh, right. Um, uh, that there, I didn't, there was no like studio involvement. Like, yeah. uh, Uh, like I was used to, you know, we have studio executives coming over and, you know, putting their input. Mm -hmm. I, maybe they had that on their end. Maybe they had to share the stuff. I don't know. But right. uh, for me, it was just working with the director. So in that wow. sense, it's good. Yeah. I mean, what's your what's your take on Netflix and kind of taking stream, tr taking streaming, like bringing, I guess, uh, get criticism for, I guess, ruining the theatrical experience where they like, oh, we're premiering movies in your home versus in theaters. I mean, do you have a take on that or <laughs> um i i mean it it uh if if that's what the if that's what people want i mean obviously that's they're making money yeah it. so um uh i prefer to see a movie in the theater yeah uh but then on the other hand i don't 
have a lot of time to get to the theater. <laughs> so I end up watching most movies at home, at home you know. Um, I mean, now with 4K and surround sound, it's pretty, you can get a close replication yeah. of what the theatrical experience is. I mean, I love Netflix for, uh, yeah, for, I mean, they're really, I think, focusing on creativity and, and so many different things. Every Netflix, there's no, like, brand of Netflix. Like, the originals are so varied, so I think it's really cool that there's a lot of new ideas, I think, coming up. From yeah. That. Yeah. Now, um, for, for the spirit of developing original voice, I think it's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, of course, your most recent film, uh, First They Killed My Father, um, A Daughter of uh, Cambodia Remembers, which is a very powerful film. Again, with uh, Netflix, yeah, coming yeah. up on Netflix, and with working with Angelina Jolie. Um, so when you approach this film, you know, it's a very kind of serious subject matter, um, and Angelina has, you know, a wealth of information as a storyteller and, and, and talents and really trying to create something that has an impact. Uh, what was kind of the approach that you wanted with the score and, and I guess what was your envi envisioning the goal for the music of this film? Well, her vision was that it, uh, the music should be, or the whole film should be the experience of um, the uh, through the eyes of this six-year-old girl. Mm. Meaning that um, the 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 music is not it's not for the audience to say oh we're you know um, here we are in Cambodia yeah. or whatever it's it's more like more visceral this girl's reaction it's much more um, it's not a melodic score mm -hmm. in many respects it's not a harmonic score it's more of like um, I did have a few strings, but pretty much the thing was an electronic score. It was like um, more um, sonic manipulations, working with sound, working with... Um, uh, was it hard to get into that, I guess, into her POV it, as a six-year-old girl? My, my inner six-year-old yeah. girl. Um, it, it was challenging in that regard. Right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Less is really more, really delicate, really delicate in terms of um, how much to say and how to say it and how dark things are and yeah. how things are, like, color a scene so quickly, mm. like, you can make things, you know, there could be really bad things happening. Um, from a six-year-old's point of view, it might not be understood in the right. same way. So trying to uh, trying to capture that feel um, that emotional sense of um, someone that's young and not quite sure of what it is that's going on around them. Right. Um, that, that, yeah, it was it was tricky in that sense. And uh, and Angelina, of course, you know, of course, she's known for her, her acting, and um, you've worked with Tommy Lee Jones, who's also kind of an actor and director. Do you, do you find a difference between directors who come from an acting background? Is there like a certain, do they work differently? Are they more tuned to the performance? Or I mean, is there, or they're just there to tell the story? No, I think they are more attuned to the performance. Yeah. yeah. And, and how, and how music really colors it very easily. Mm. I think more so. I think they're more attuned to that. Because um, Tommy was, you know, very attuned to that as well. Yeah, I mean, those are two veteran actors, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, so which they're... is interesting. Which it, it, it's, um, I, I mean, sometimes we would have to discuss this stuff because yeah. I, I, I sometimes I almost thought it was too close to some things and too sensitive, like you know, um, like being an, an actor and understanding the, the process is is different than like the average person watching a movie right. who's not aware of these things and yeah so um uh so yeah it's it definitely uh, i'm sure they i think they i feel like it would communicate better about getting into i guess the internal like emotional internal emotions of the character because i think in the end your job is almost becoming a psychologist where you have to analyze a character and find out 
you know, figuratively crack open their head and, and what are they feeling? And then Yeah, well, yeah, but the thing is, yeah, and that's the interesting thing because you have to be able to do that on a character level. Yeah. But then also on a global scale, you know, and how does that, you can't get caught up in the minutia, but right, I, I mean, okay, you have yeah. to be aware of that, but you have to also keep in mind um, the whole picture itself. Right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, th I think, you know, I, for the most part, I probably wrote, overwrote in the beginning and stripped mm -hmm. back ideas right. as things went on. And, you know, um, it's delicate too because you don't want it to turn into like, you know. Um, it can be melodramatic too if you get too much music in it there. Could, right? It could yeah. be melodramatic or, you know, it could run the risk of, if you start adding some ethnic things, yeah. you know, it turns into like, Massage music or something, yeah, you know? Yeah, just so, like that was very easy to uh, Cambodia, boom, just put that right. there, yeah. Um, so there, there was kind of going against that, not trying to make it, make the score for the audiences, I guess. You know, like, uh, tell the audience where you are, tell the, just kind of keeping it personal for mm -hmm. the character. Yeah. Um, to kind of talk about process a little bit, um, and I'm sure this is going to differ from film to film, but for you, where does the first note usually come from? I mean, where do you... What do you like to do when you take on a project? Do you like to speak to the director first? Do you, if there's a cut, do you like to watch that cut kind of whole first? Do you like to, I mean... Uh, I usually like to watch it by myself first yeah. and get a sense um, before I talk to... I mean, maybe the director will say something ahead of time, mm -hmm. whatever. This is, you know, these are some issues that we have with it or whatever. Right. Um, but for the most part... Uh, I like to get an emotional wash over me of what, like, what it is that I'm seeing and right. how, how that transfers musically and um, trying to boil it down to... Do you gravitate the, towards, like, the characters? Well, that, whatever. Um, I mean, yeah. something, but, like, something that's sort of the essence mm -hmm. of the picture from which everything will blossom yeah. like almost like an acorn from which the tree grows right and and what that happens to be and if, whether it's a sound or whether it's a, a a simple melody or fragment of a melody or um a harmony or instrument right you know and um if you're brought on early though do you ever try to tamper with ideas based off the script or will you just wait till there's a first i've made step? that mistake i i think it's a I've never been, I've never been um, accurate, like yeah. reading a script and then finding and then it it, it totally skews it hmm. and and then it actually becomes harder because then you're you're, you're thinking about the music you already have an emotional attachment that you've put with a script that yeah. you associate with the movie, right? And, yeah, and then the movie itself. So it's I think it's way better to wait until you actually have the visuals, right? Well, it's it's interesting because you know when if I'm writing a screenplay or, or trying to come up with an idea, I'll listen to music, and and music usually is where the ideas come from. For me, you know, kind of sparking visuals, um, but then for you, the music will come from the visual, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of I don't know, like the chicken and the egg, like yeah, <laughs> what, what's inspiring, first? who's inspiring yeah. who here? Because. Um, because I, yeah. I know a lot of writers, and that's what te where temp comes from. Because temp pushes the vision, and mm -hmm. they have to have music. And if they don't have it, they'll grab something else and mm -hmm. stick it in there, and make it work. It's almost like you know, when I was doing student films, and just like, oh, my favorite CDs, and putting them in there. Yeah. It's, yeah. An, it's interesting. I mean, it's just it's just it's just interesting how vision or visuals are born from music, and then music are born from yeah. Visuals. So they feed each other. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so for for you, what's the most rewarding part of this job? Like, is there a favorite? The, the final product, the initial uh, workings. From, I think, uh, I mean, I sort of view each project as a puzzle. Yeah. You know, and um, there can be a lot of searching and it can be, that's the hardest part, I think, because you, until you have something, you have nothing. Yeah. Right? Um, is that scary to have just and, like a blank page in front of you? It is. Like, or going down directions that are, don't work or whatever and you know right. they don't work and um, I think for me the, the cracking the puzzle of the picture mm -hmm. is the most rewarding part that and um, 
actual scoring. Yeah. You know, if it's with a orchestra or even creating cues here or whatever, but uh, I the the, first, the beginning, you know, solving the puzzle yeah. and then um, and then actually working with musicians and creating music. Yeah. You know, from from something flat becomes three dimensional. Yeah, I mean that's it's that, amazing work. It just comes from our heads. It's crazy. Like it's yeah. all born from ideas and then we make it into something. I think it's yeah. Something special about film for me. That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's I think the, the most rewarding part. Um, I think the the least rewarding is, you know, in every film there's cues that are derivative from things or whatever, and sort of like when you know what it needs to be and you have to fill in the blanks. Yeah. So when the I guess the, the industry part of it seeps in and. <laughs> the business yeah. side of it and making sure it sounds like this or <laughs> yeah um if you could uh have a position another job on on the film set whether it's in front of the camera behind the camera if you could pick any one that would have been your career what would you have what would you choose <laughs> hypothetically like <laughs> is there any other um, set designer or probably writer i mean writer I, yeah yeah i mean because again it's, it's like creation of ideas mm -hmm. um do you write it all on the side, just not music, or no? No. I mean, when I was younger, I did yeah. enough for film, but uh, but yeah, I think it's a similar process of uh, synthesizing some sort of universe from yeah. from you know just nothing. different different language words yeah. and music yeah yeah <laughs> translates pretty easily. Um, I do want to talk about how a kind of I, I love your studio for how unique it is, and of course the location is re the reason. Is there a reason that you decided to kind of um, build the studio here? I mean, you're kind of high up in the hills here, kind of overlooking the Pacific Ocean. I mean, is there is its isolation, remoteness, kind of trans come from the? Is this more creative to be out here than kind of closer to the studios and stuff like that? Um, <laughs> or is it just you just well, like the area? Like, I, I I like the area. The um, I wanted to have enough space to yeah to to the whole. I mean. It's, 20 acres uh, to have um, and there's no you're not on top of anybody so right. be able to do things record outside we do all kinds of experiments and um, you know setting up speakers outside and, and whatever it's like yeah. a playground yeah. it's a big playground and not be disturbing anybody number one yeah. not hearing about complaints not um uh being interfered with i mean yeah when we recorded outside we had some noises but really yeah. it wasn't bad we were yeah, able it's... to do it which is amazing um and um and plus i love i don't know i go i hike a lot and yeah I, it's beautiful it, terrain it's, it, it's sort of like the last refuge up here i feel like of malibu yeah um so yeah i mean it is a little out of the way sometimes it comes in handy because oh, you know sure. you, in order for <laughs> you know, the studio to come hear stuff, whatever they Keeps get. Keeps them it. away a little bit. <laughs> they got to make an appointment, you they know. Check the, check the traffic. Oh, well, we'll come back next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would just love it to be able, I'm sure, and so probably also really, I haven't been here at night, but like, it must be so quiet at night just to be able to just step out and to clear your head. I it is. Know. I mean, the star, you, you can see stars like you can't in, in town. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, you're really aware of the wildlife around you yeah. and everything. It's, it's. Yeah, it's definitely. I've, I've, I've all computer studios. Don't. Here's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, kind of looking forward, do you, do you? I mean, you've established such an amazing career for yourself. At this point in your career, do you create personal goals like, like a five-year plan? At this point, I mean, do you have like a? Are you just kind of living life one day at a time? Whatever well, project I'm, comes. I'm working on a project that doesn't have to do with film yeah, right just, now. Yeah. yeah. Um, that uh, it, it's it's a little tough going because it takes time. Yeah. And uh, we're you know we keep getting distractions. Yeah, like, yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean we keep working on projects. But right. um, you know it's a long term thing. It's just kind of like a concert piece or yeah, like um, a bunch of different. Um, 
concert pieces, yeah. I guess. Wow. Well, that'll be... I know, because I, I think John Powell completed one, and I, when I talk to him, he has ideas, but it's just... It's always here, and then the projects yeah, keep coming, so it stuff, distracts yeah. and... It gets sidetracked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be vague about it, but it, it's sort of like I'm not sure what the shape of it, yeah. you know, the whole thing is yet. And, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, I've written um, maybe about half a dozen things that they that I'm still working on, you know, like yeah. it's like still in progress. Well, uh, Mark, I just wanted to, you know, I'm out of questions for now, but I just wanted to thank you so much for walking through your career and then talking about your recent projects and, and, and picking your brain about your process. It's been uh, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for oh, your time today. Sure. Thank you. <laughs>